Welcome to Getting Common with Professor Carlos Chapman. Getting Common covers a variety of topics and features guests from business, law, politics, government, education, and some of the most insightful entrepreneurs. It's a refreshing, common-sense approach to some of the most important discussion points today. Now, here is your host, Carlos Chapman. Hello, everyone. I'm Carlos Chapman, and I am your host of Getting Common. In my day job, I am an associate professor at Washington and Lee's Law School. The topic of today's episode is Black Girl Dads, and in honor of Father's Day, I have assembled some of my favorite girl dads to discuss their experiences. I'll let each of them introduce themselves, starting with Mark. Hello, everyone. I am Mark Simmons. I am a dad to two girls and one boy. Can't forget um, I, in my, in my day job, I own a marketing agency and I live in Durham, North Carolina. All right. And next, Anthony. Hello, everyone. My name is Anthony Holt. I am a 23 year veteran of the mortgage industry. I am a father of one daughter. She is a preteen. She'll be having her birthday here coming up shortly. And um, I'm originally from Yonkers, New York. I am a graduate of North Carolina Central University and a member of Omega Psi Phi Fraternity Incorporated. And uh, I enjoy spending time with family, traveling, hanging out with friends, and going to car meets. Awesome. And finally, Rick Swiner. Hey there, everyone. My name is Rick Swiner. Um, I'm a father of two little girls, Price and Blake, affectionately known as Pac and Biggie. Uh, I live here in Durham, North Carolina. I'm formerly a TV news reporter and anchor, and now I have a production company uh, and do a few other entrepreneurial things along with DJing. And it's a pleasure to be here with uh, everyone tonight. All right. Which one is Pac and which one is Biggie? Price is Pac. Blake is Biggie. Okay. That fits. (laughs) That totally fits. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Now, Mark, let's start with you and discuss the statistics. The public perception is that fathers don't do much parenting and that Black fathers in particular are absent. What impact has that had on you as a parent and how have you parented in a way that defies these odds? I don't know if the statistics per se have had much of an impact on me. I, I have always, I've had my father in my life, I've had other men in my life as father figures, And so that never was an issue for me. Um, Of course, when I went into planning to become a parent and a father, I always knew that I was going to be there for my kids and give them as much time and attention as I can and try to, you know, craft them into uh, citizens, right? Citizens of of the world. Um, So I I don't really believe that those statistics impacted me very much at all. Yeah. And I, I feel like I don't know that the statistics are real, like to be honest. Right. Cause I just don't know of anyone who isn't present in their child's life. Right. Um, and I had my father in my life and most of my friends had theirs in their life. And so, you know, it feels like it's all media buzz to me. That's how it feels. Yeah. I, I would agree with that. I, I, I would say it's hyped up. Uh, of course, there are instances where it's true, but that doesn't make it the majority rule. Uh, and definitely what I've seen in my life with the, the people I've come across, the families I've come across, the dads have been in their children's lives. Yeah. 
All right. Now, Anthony, let's continue to frame the issue. How have you as the non-custodial parent remained present in your daughter's life? Um, so in all my choices in life at this point, they are governed by my relationship with her. So at the point that she turns 18, you know, and decides that she wants to branch off and do what she wants to do, um, I have made sure that I have been in close proximity. So when I purchased my first home here recently, um, I made sure that I was at least, you know, five, no more than five to seven minutes away. I, I'm a stickler about that. I want to be very close, you know, hey, dad, if, you know, if she needs to call me or if her or her mom need anything, um, that it's not a, a, a huge distance between us. Also, that gives me the ability, you know, to take her to school, prepare her lunch, you know, pick her up from school. And being that I'm quasi self-employed, you know, as a mortgage loan officer, that gives me the freedom, you know, to come and go as I please, you know, so being active and, and you know, with that proximity allows me to do a lot of things um, that some fathers don't have, you know, when it when they have that distance between them. And we all know the right choice for all the daughters here is to go to Duke, obviously. Right. <laughs> I no <don't> comment. <laughs> I just had to throw that out there. Jesus. Um, uh, I know. I know. I couldn't, uh, you know, I take host privilege on that. Jesus. Right? I enjoyed, I enjoyed okay. hanging out with y'all, but that's about it. <laughs> <laughs> we all know where your children should go to school. We know what the right choice is, right? They do too. all right now rick let's get back to these statistics i said again i don't feel like they're real do you ever feel like you're the only black dad around when you're out with your girls and doing activities with your girls you know what that's a great question and absolutely not to be honest with you i have a lot of friends who are girl dads and you know we tend to spend a lot of time together so just literally a couple of hours ago i was at the pool with my buddy Derek. his daughter was over for swim lessons with my girls and a lot of my friends in my circle have girls and or they at least have children. So this idea of absentee fatherhood, just I don't I don't recognize it, honestly, because, you know, I grew up my mom and dad were married for 50 years before he passed. And so I tend I tend to try to mirror what they did in terms of rearing kids and also in terms of the, the group of friends that they had. Most of their friends were other couples who had kids because we all grew up together. So we're doing the same thing now. And um, I, t- I see a lot of girl dads in my own personal circle. So, Absolutely. So, Go ahead. So Ricky Carlos, I have a, I have a funny story for y'all. So Rick, I don't know if you know DJ Paradigm. Yeah. Um, okay. So, so listen to this y'all. So when I had Gabby, well, when Gabby was born rather, um, <laughs> five of us, five of my fraternity brothers, as well as DJ Paradigm, all of us have daughters that are are born within days of each other. Yep. <laughs> days. Like, we all have daughters that were born within days of each other. So we'd be passing each other at Duke Hospital like, hey, man, how many <laughs> how many more days you got? You good? Y'all coming back? Is she ready now? You know, it's like, dude, like, literally, uh, Philip Terry, uh, uh, Dorian, you know, Dorian mm-hmm. from BU Cafe, mm-hmm. Dorian like, Bowling, yeah, all of us, Julius Russell, yeah, I mean, it was it was insane, <laughs> but like, I believe it, I believe it, dads, seriously. <laughs> <laughs> yep. 
So I, I know that Rick is at the dance lessons and at the pool. Yes. Right. Are y'all having other girl dad meetups to entertain yourselves while the girls are doing their activities? <laughs> well, typically what we used to do is go down to uh, the bar and we'd meet up during dance class, but they changed dance school. So now we don't have a bar nearby, but we do tend to get together from time to time. And it's not really like a girl dad's crew or whatever, but you know, I have a bunch of friends who will come over. We'll sit in the backyard and watch the ball game or we'll sit in the basement and watch movies and things like that, because you do want to have some camaraderie and you want to have some friends um, and you can bounce things off of these guys, you know, when you're going through it, because some days you do have a rough go at it. Um, when I when the girls were born, I kept both of them at home with me for the first two years. So I'm literally holding meetings with the phone here, baby here, bottle here. And I'm telling clients, listen, if you hear something squealing, it's just my daughter. Don't, you know, don't worry about it. So having had that experience with them for the first two years for each before sending them to daycare, you know, I've put in a lot of time with them. And I kind of um, it's it's one of those things that I know a lot of people don't get the opportunity to do. So I'm very thankful for having that opportunity. Uh, but the guys, you know, we'll get together and talk about those types of things, you know, because I have other friends who've done the same thing. And Mark is their chauffeur. Because <laughs> anytime I'm on the phone with Mark, you are in the car with the girls going, taking them from place to place. <laughs> yeah, I, that that's definitely a function of the day job and the flexibility that I have working for myself. I am the self-appointed uh, gopher, chauffeur, whatever you want to call it. I'm taking them to soccer games, if it's during the week, to gymnastics when we were doing that, picking them up and taking them home from school. Um, and I think that my, in, in my experience, because of that, I've come across, few, I, I say I've come across fewer girl dads just because I'm out more during the daytime and it just seems that the school that we go to and the circles that we, you know, the places that we've taken the girls, like the library, for instance, it's definitely more moms than dads during the day. Yeah. But on the weekends, that changes. That absolutely changes on the weekends. Then I definitely see more of dads around. And so it's just a function of what people are doing, how their situations are set up. You know, whereas my wife is uh, mainly going into the office during the week. And so she has less of that flexibility. I just take take the load there. Yeah, for sure. For sure. No, I, I love always, I've gotten used to with not just y'all, but all of my friends. Uh, to drowning out kids in the middle of the day <laughs> when I talked on the phone with people. Because I think we all, or most people now have jobs that are flexible, alternative lifestyles, alternative arrangements where, you know, you can still work and have the kids and things don't stop. Um, which right. one, which is the genders a little bit, um, but also means that we all as people who don't have kids and deal with people with kids uh, have to adapt to, to accommodate y'all. So um, I like the interruptions personally. It's a nice break from the day. Uh, although I don't enjoy having uh, Price and Blake read me for filth. <laughs> well, I mean, you might I bring it on enjoy. yourself. I, listen, I've yeah. got nothing to do with that. They are they are Pac and Biggie. They are properly named. They have bars. They both have bars. <laughs> All right. Now, Rick, yes. how has being a father of daughters changed you? <sighs> Good Lord. That's a tough one. Um, you know what? I, I would say being a father in general changed me. I just so happen to be a father of girls, but just being a father really changed me from the standpoint of even looking at lyrical content from music. Like I said, I DJ. 
So when I'm spinning records, I'm paying more attention to what's in those records because the whole my whole DJ business really started off as a thing that I would do for my daughters in the basement. So we could just kind of, you know, have a fun time on a Friday night. Then it evolved into a business. But I pay more attention to things um, that I don't think I really would have paid attention to had I not had children. Um, and then, of course, there's the whole protective factor. You want to make sure that you're um, teaching them to to be aware of things that are going on around them. Um, you know, I grew up in Washington, D.C., so, you know, this suburban lifestyle is completely different than what I grew up with. But trying to still give them a sense of um, awareness and discernment when they're in certain situations. So, you know, you're, every day is a learning lesson for not only them, but for me as well always trying to make sure that I'm imparting something uh, within them. So. All right. Now, Anthony, do you think being a father of a daughter changed you at all? Um, I, I want to agree with Rick, you know, the fact that you're responsible for another human being that you help create um, in itself is a blessing. It's amazing. Um, you know, when she was first appeared, you know, I was, like, wow, this is half of me walking and talking. And, you know, prior to her, while she was in her, her mother's belly, you know, just listening to her heartbeat. And the first thing I thought about was a hummingbird because the heart rate was so was so fast. Um, you know, so that was my nickname for her until uh, she earned whatever newest nickname that she that she had afterwards. Sorry about that, guys. Um, so with that being said, absolutely. Yeah. She, she, she definitely changed my life. Um, and we all as fathers want the best, you know, for our children. And we look at, you know, some of the possible shortcomings that, you know, I, I did not have a perfect childhood. You know, my mom and my stepdad did absolutely wonderful given the tools that they that they had um the adversity um and looking at my mom's background she definitely she in with her background she was supposed to be a statistic you know so for her to literally um do for me and get me to where i'm prepared to be a father um was truly truly a blessing so all i can do is you know just try my best and talk to other fathers out there who now have teenage daughters or older who have been where I'm going, uh, you know, for advice. And, you know, I just try not to be worried, you know, having a daughter um, definitely is challenging mentally, you know, because of course we're men, um, you know, so, and I'm not married, so I have to be in tune with, you know, the feminine products, you know, the the mood swings on top of her being a preteen or getting ready to become a teen. Um, you know, so I'm actually evolving and learning on the go. And um, I think that's part of, of being a parent. Um, and I commend these gentlemen for doing it multiple times over because they have to adapt to multiple personalities. Whereas, you know, I just have one to deal with. That's it. <laughs> you know, so I, I commend you. I commend you gentlemen to be, you know, being able to balance that and uh, being able to cater to multiple personalities within the same household at different ages. So, um, 
much respect to you guys. <laughs> Thank you. I, 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 I typically say that I'm going to need to get a turtle or a rabbit or something to kind of even out the energy in this house because I'm the only male thing in the house. It's me and my wife and two little girls. So dog. I got to fix that. So, yeah, I need a dog. I'm going to need something for sure. Yeah, you do need a dog. I do. Y'all need a dog. I do. But who's going to walk them? That's the problem. The girls aren't going to do it. <laughs> well, Mark has two girls, one boy. Yes. And the chickens and the dog. You don't have goats yet, but I want you to get some goats. Like We're that's working on that. We're working yeah, I on want that. you to get some goats. But, you know, <laughs> since you've got both, um, do you see a difference between parenting the girls and parenting the boys? The boy, has it, has, is there a change between the two or was it just general parenting changes? Um, I think it's definitely more a, a function of their personalities. The girls just seem to be calmer, at least when they were younger. The terrible twos and threes weren't as uh, crazy as they have been with the boy. I think boys are just different. You know, I, I don't know how I was when I was growing up, but, you know, it, it's, it's a very different scenario when it comes to that. Um, I wouldn't think that that's impacted our parenting style any. It's just we can manage them differently according to their personalities and their behavioral differences. Um, but, uh, you know, being a girl dad is, has definitely changed my perspective on a lot of different things. A lot, a lot of the ways that I see the world, um, you know, I grew up with two older sisters, so I had somewhat of an understanding of how the world sees women, right. And how the world sees girls as I'm growing up and being more attuned to that and, you know, in terms of respect and and how you treat women growing up myself. So now just thinking about how I want to raise my girls and how I want them to be treated and you know how I want it to be about their intellect and not their looks, how I want them to be able to enjoy their lives and be comfortable in situations like gymnastics and, and not have to worry about showing too much skin because they're wearing leotards as opposed to like shorts and that type of thing. It's definitely opened my eyes to the disparities and how we view gender and those roles. And, and so it's, it's been a, it's been a very positive experience. Um, and in a lot of ways, it's been a learning experience. And I just work very closely with my wife, who is a woman <laughs> and knows more about women than I can ever know. So it, it you know, we're a team and it, it works out that way. I'm always impressed when men acknowledge that women know things. <laughs> so, um, I am going to give y'all all a round of applause for that. Um, Cause there's so much mansplaining to be had uh, in the world. And so no anytime people don't do that, I think we have to acknowledge it um, and give you credit. Um, and clearly I'm like thinking of people in my head as I say. <laughs> let, me, let me piggyback on one thing Mark said though. He's absolutely right with the objectification piece. That is a whole different thing that I don't think I would have to concern myself with at all for a boy, um, which may be naive on my part. But just in terms of, you know, sometimes if we're leaving dance class, I got to make sure I'm like, Price, do you have your sweatpants to put on? Because I don't want we have to go to the store after. I don't want you walking around the store in just your leotard. You need to put some pants on. And, you know, she's she's 11. So she's not really thinking in those terms. But for me, as her dad and as her protector, that's the thing that I'm thinking about all the time, just making sure that she's not positioning herself to be objectified 
um, unnecessarily. And, um, and that just goes back to being a protector and trying to make sure that she's safe. You know, um, it's, it's unfortunate that we have to even be in that, in that mind frame. Um, until I was a father and, um, this still touches me and impacts me. I had a coworker of mine at one of my older places of employment who was uh, convicted of molesting his 13 and his 15 year old stepdaughters. Mm. Right. And I'm thinking about how my daughter is about to be 13. And I'm thinking about how aloof she is about just things in general in life. You know, she, she was not subjected to um, the housing projects and the, the things that I got to witness and her mom uh, comes from um, in Richmond. And anybody who's been in the housing projects and, and grown up in urban areas will tell you, you know, kids grow up much, much faster. They're exposed to a lot of things and Everybody here will agree that we want to keep our children children for as long as we can, for as long as as long as we can. Um, you know, so I agree with, you know, with Rick, you know, as far as being a protector, we have to keep things um, on our minds that normally we would not have if we had boys. Um, um you know, it, it is very unfortunate, you know, you know, when you hear about older girls or young women and, and young boys, you know, everybody's like, yeah, yeah, you know, no teacher, you know, we didn't have fine teachers at our school. Like, why did he snitch or why did he, man, you put that, put that thing in reverse, bro, what, right. you looking at my daughter, bro, I'm coming, man, listen, come on, <laughs> right. come on. Right. This is not even a thing. That's right. This is not even a thing. Um, you know, so, I, you know, when I was listening, kind of made me think about that. Rick and Mark, I don't know if this has happened to you ever, but just little things like when our daughters were maybe five to six years old, where you weren't comfortable enough to send them in the bathroom by themselves. And you went to a place like Frankie's that did not have a family restroom. Yeah. And you're sitting here like, I got to walk my little kid, my daughter, all these grown men and these, you know, and take her to the stall. It's like, hey, close your eyes. It's like Frankie's Fun Park. People, this is a place for children. Y'all didn't think of this? <laughs> Girl, dad, need the restroom for her. Yes, It'd that's right. Right. Telling issue. Yeah, I'm reluctant to. I always seek out the family bathrooms, no matter where I, where I am. They didn't have one. I'm still reluctant to send them into a bathroom by themselves. Yeah. Yep. 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 Even well, I, I, I think I think women's bathrooms are safer than people think, though. To be honest, <laughs> they are. But yeah. but I just didn't want my kid to fall in the toilet. It was like she <laughs> yeah. was at that age. <laughs> she was, <laughs> she was at, you know. Now so so. The run, the running joke is the women's bathrooms are cleanliness is a lot different than men's bathrooms. Yes. I, you know, eh, 
you know, so the thing about it is I did not want to send my baby into, you know, the filthy bathroom, not knowing what's in there. You Correct. Know, like, yeah. You know, Correct. so I had to, I had to wing it. Well, you know, I tell you, uh, my rule was if you got to go to the bathroom, it's time to go home. So, (laughs) (laughs) oh, yeah, we shut whatever we were doing. We shut down the party because we would go before we left. And then once we left, you got to keep that bladder empty. Once you say, Dad, I got to use the bathroom, then we're heading back to the house. That's fine. (laughs) Party's over. Yes, we're done. I did it with my niece. I tried that with my niece who's 13. Um, to, cause you know, you know how things never, well, things never end with kids, right? True. Like they don't have an off. So True. if I say, gotta go to the bathroom, that's a good way to like shut things down. So I can that's go right. home and take my nap. Cause that's I'm right. home. Uh, remind, <laughs> remind me not to hang with Rick. I drink over a gallon of water a day. <laughs> I don't want to party with you, Rick. Look, me too, man. I'm with you. <laughs> All right. Over. All right. So this is a good segue to my next question. Um, Anthony, as a father of a daughter, and especially as a father father of a black child in modern times, what are the things that keep you up at night? What are what are your worries for your daughter? What aren't? Um, I, I I don't even want to separate in Walmart. Uh, can, you know, like I I was up in arms one day when I found out. Uh, her mother was on aisle 12 and she was on aisle one. I was like, what? Ugh. You know, I, I mean, because she's a, she's a preteen and I know, I know I've been in a situation here recently where a guy was 27 years old and the mother specifically said, my daughter is 16 and she was actually showing the 27 year old you know, pictures of her daughter. And I'm sitting here like, bruh, we're just with nine year, 10, ten year difference. Like, what are you, what are you doing? Like trying to hook them up. Mm. I'm sitting here like, what, what are we doing? I like, that's susceptible when you are grown, like 20, you know what I'm saying? But this kid doesn't even have her driver's license. Um, you know, so the things that keep me up at night, are beyond, you know, the drugs, the peer pressure, suicide, um, being exposed to things online. Like when I wa- when I wanted to watch pornography, it was the blurry channel 18 Playboy on the on the television. And then when I discovered my aunt's VHS tape, it was like, ugh, you know. <laughs> now all I gotta do is pick up their cell phone. And 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 the you know, at the, you know, right there at their fingertips. You know, so what keeps me up at night is overexposure to all kinds of things, adult things, um, you know, the drug use, sex, um, the peer, you know, just the peer pressure to use drugs, drink, um, you know, sneaking out, you know, all of that. And then that's on top of men and boys who have no self-control or, you know, just don't care, you know, pedophiles, you know, as, as an adult, I learned one of my, my elementary school principal actually was caught in a sting going up to uh, Virginia, my elementary school principal, Mm -hmm. you know, the person that walked past us every day got caught in a sting trying to uh, have sex with a minor in Virginia, you know, so 
those are the things that keep me up at night. Um, sex trafficking, you know, all of that. Those, those are things that, you know, run across, run across my mind. And, you know, when I drive out of here in the morning and I see, you know, these, these young women and young boys standing at the bus stop, I'm like, I used to do that. Um, but my worry for them is different now. You know, I used to stand at the bus stop, you know, but now I'm looking at these girls, you know, in, in, in a little tight, as we say, they're, they're tights, but they're tight like leotards. You know, you're standing here on this corner and I know, I know that you're a child, but you're built like an uh, 18-year-old, 20-year-old. You know, I respect the fact that you're a kid. I'm not going to be looking at you, um, but there are grown men that don't think like we do. You know, so that's those are the things that keep me up at night. How about you, Rick? Whew, man, all of the above. <clears throat> um, I think one of the things that always concerns me is the access to everything. There's no there's no filter anymore. You know, when we were growing up, you had to jump through a bunch of hoops to do anything bad. Right. Whereas now, you know, to, to uh, Anthony's point, you can go right on your phone or on your iPad and you can access anything imaginable if you know what to search for or if your friends are telling you what to search for in school. So, you know, my daughter wants a phone. She cannot have a phone. I, I mean, there's nothing there's no one that you need to talk to that importantly. Yep. So uh, there's no phone. Um, so, you know, you, you worry about those things. You worry about um, just the state of affairs we're living under now. Things are just they've gotten crazy or it feels like they're getting crazy. I've had to stop watching so much news. I used, I was a news junkie. And worked in news, so I, I would find myself watching news all day. I stopped. I can't tell you the last time I sat and watched the news longer than maybe 10 minutes because it's become such a stressor for me thinking of the girls that we're trying to raise in this world and, and not wanting them to see all of these things. Because, again, we're talking about trying to let them stay kids as long as we can. And, you know, you've seen these mass shootings and school shootings and all these things that take place. I don't want them to internalize those things. I don't want them to be ignorant of them, but I don't want them to live in fear of them either. So we have to be very uh, careful in terms of how much we expose them to that kind of information um, and just let them be children, man. We want them to enjoy themselves, have their fr uh, friends, have fun, go to the pool, go hang out and get ice cream. My kids are very much little girls, which I love. They're not quote unquote fast. You know, they're not that type. They're very much little girls. They like to do little girl things with their little girl friends and they'll go and, you know, hang out and do stuff. You know, they're not even at the mall age, you know, so they're not trying to go hang at the mall. They want to do stuff like go to the pool, go get ice cream, go get pizza, very easy stuff. Go to Frankie's or wherever the place may be. And I'm all for that. I want them to stay little girls as long as they can. So I don't worry as much, but there is this kind of perpetual um, thing that's always in the back of your mind as a protector and as a provider that you want to make sure you're giving them everything they need and keeping them away from harm. And, you know, that's kind of what we, we focus on around here daily. All right. Now, Mark, you're the tech junkie. So I'm wondering like, what's your approach to tech uh, with your, in light of how much, how easy it is for them to, to search things and see things. <sighs> yeah, that, that's always a, uh... Uh, a difficult, difficult and challenging subject around this house. Um, I mean, one of the things we do is limit screen time. We talk to them about 
what they can and can't play with in terms of applications and programs that they can access, you know, for, for instance, YouTube. You know, we have to approve anything that they watch on YouTube. And they know that if they go outside of those boundaries, that they're going to get their devices taken away for a week or more. Um, and so we're just, we're very, we're very careful with the games that they play, you know, like Roblox and Minecraft, because Roblox actually has some um, mature and adult violent content on there that you can download. So you have to be mindful of that. Um, there are also some racially charged games on Roblox that we learned about that aren't so fun. So it's just being vigilant um, and, and being open with them to an extent to talk about, you know, the why, why are we limiting you? Why are we telling you you can't do this? Not just being kind of taking that hard line, like don't do this and don't do that. It's, it's trying to explain to them and be as somewhat as transparent as you can be without giving too much information. Yeah. Um, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. Last point. I mean, I agree with Rick about the no phone. Um, the oldest has been asking for a phone for like three years now. And it's just, no, all of her, not all of her, but some of her, enough of her friends at school have phones and, and we're like, why you we're here. <laughs> There's no one else that you need. If you want to uh, communicate with your friends, you can do it on Facebook kids messenger, which we can control who's on there. And so there are ways that they can communicate without having the cell phone. So there's, it's just not going to happen. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and one of the points I like to just make is that, you know, the, these kids are going to be curious about things. My concern is not about curiosity so much. I know you're going to be curious. You're going to want to learn. You're going to want access to information. You're going to, you're going to want to um, explore and, and learn. That's all fine. And if you don't feel comfortable coming to us to do those things, I get it. But the issue for me more so is I don't want you being deceptive in trying to get this information. So I don't want you being sneaky and lying and trying to figure this stuff out on your own. And the main reason is because once you have these devices and these phones and stuff, you now have predators who have access to you through those devices. It's a little bit different, you know, so you're literally bringing them into your home because you're sitting in your room on your iPad so when they had iPads, we, they didn't have access to the iPads in the bedroom. If you're going to be on your computer or, or your laptop, you have to be in an open space so we can monitor what you're doing. Because we need to know if someone's trying to chat you up or someone's trying to reach you somehow. So it, it, I think the tech creates this different level of vigilance for most parents because there's so much access to content that you really would not want your kids to have access to. And they wouldn't have had access to it years ago. But now because of these screens, they do. And it's very, very challenging to make them understand, to Mark's point, without divulging too much information as to why, but to make them understand why they don't need to have all this access. Do y'all worry about sending your kids to school without phones? Because um, I think, you know, my sister gave my niece a phone when she went to middle school and, you know, wasn't, you know, wasn't being picked up or had after school activities and things like that. But, you know, some of her concern was, with school shootings and things happening on campus, um, you know, she wanted her to be able to call or to be able even just call 911, like a lot of the Uvalde kids were able to. Um, so, so does that, like, how do you balance that? Sending them out into the world that's crazy um, without a means of communicating on their own. Well, I think one of the challenges for us is making sure we have a good relationship at the school. 
and trusting that the school is going to do the right thing by way of, you know, communicating with the parents. Unfortunately, the school they were in seems to do a pretty good job of letting us know as things are taking place. And then we have enough people who are there at the school who are, you know, friends of ours and people who we've met over the course of time. And we get a good relationship with the teachers. So we like to think that they will be in clear communication with us. But it's a it's a gamble. You know, I mean, let's be honest. It's we never know what's going to happen. And I was just telling uh, my wife earlier, it's so funny how at 11, growing up in Washington, D.C., during the height of the drug epidemic, when we were the murder capital of the world, I was catching the bus across town, the public school bus. I mean, a public uh, bus, the metro to go to school. And the thought of sending my daughter to school on a public bus at this point, <laughs> I was like, there's no way in the world. Then we would go from the bus to the, I would catch a bus to the subway, two subways and another bus. So the world has definitely changed over the course of the past 50. Yeah. I'll be 50 this year. So over the past 50 years, things are completely different, but um, I still have to have enough trust that the school system uh, and the school where they are will do the right thing and keep them as safe as they can. So, so Rick, I'm gonna push back on you. Uh huh. So there are kids that are are our daughters' ages that are probably riding public transportation for sure. I I think it goes back to the my prior statement, which is the environment in which we have raised our children and the exposure. You know, so my my child's mother was that 11 year old. My mom was. You know, the six-year-old. So my mom my mom has a book out right now where she probably, I'm not going to tell her book, but, you know, mm-hmm. she talks about, she talks about, you know, her upbringing. And I know the stories about her hanging on the back of the bus. She wasn't even on the inside of the bus. Right. She was right. hanging off the back of the bus, <laughs> you know, with her six brothers riding off the bumper of the bus. That's right. You know? That's right. You know, <laughs> you know so, um, um, you know, it really it really comes down to that exposure level. And I, I remember one time being up in Philadelphia with uh, a, a friend who's a, a sorority sister of mine. And we were it was like eight o'clock in the morning. And I just remember hearing the cussing that was going on at eight in the morning. And I'm sitting here like these little girls are having a conversation that sounds so adult like and they're cussing each other out. I mean, they talk all the subject matter. And this is just a short span of them walking past the window. <laughs> and I'm sitting here like, Jesus Christ, like y'all are having to deal with these real world issues at eight in the morning. That's right. That's right. That's <laughs> right. And, you- and yep. And so me, so me and my child's mom, we're looking at our kid like, bro, you wouldn't survive a day. That's the difference. That's the difference. Like if you we were talking about it before in terms of coming out of necessity. You know, my dad was a detective for the police department. My mom was a nurse. So they didn't have the freedom and flexibility that we all have as parents to be able to go and do pick up and drop off and all these things. So we had to catch the bus if you wanted to go to school. There was no way of get there was no way of getting around it. But I'm just thinking now how if we were in that situation, how comfortable and see the other thing, too, is we don't have a robust public transportation system here in this area. Nope. So that changes the way you can even navigate this whole going to school or whatever. You got to get a car service or do carpool or do the school bus. But we really didn't have school buses back home. You know, you right. had public transportation. So you're right. It's different. And, and to your point, I mean, 
I know that there are kids right now who are still on the bus and driving, riding public transportation and they do it every day and it's nothing to them. I just know my kids are not built like that. They could, yeah, I don't think no. they survive that. No. Yeah. I'm with you. To, uh, to go back to your original question about the phone, Carlos, um, one of the, I think that I, I kind of agree with Rick that as far as the schools go, you have to kind of trust the school to have a plan in place and to make you feel comfortable. And I feel like they do have a plan in place and that the teachers actually, you know, they care about the students and that we, we trust them that they're taken care of. Um, they also do have a resource officer from the sheriff's office on site and the Hillsborough police are kind of around patrolling. And so we do feel that it's safe. I've also seen um, active shooter drills. I've, I've had to go pick them up at times to, for other reasons, doctor's appointments or something, and they were doing an active shooter drill and I couldn't go in school. And so I know they're, they're doing these things and they're proactive about it. So I feel comfortable with that. Um, but I think the other part of it is that they're not doing anything after school. So when they get to the point where they're doing things after school and they have to stay, we will likely get a simple, basic prepaid phone that they can use to make phone calls only, no smart features, right? So that they have the ability to communicate. So, you know, at uh, seven and nine years old, that's not an issue right now. Um, but when it does become an issue, that's that's the solution that we've talked about. I'm getting them a rotary phone. I'm, I'm seeing I'm, I'm feeling I'm seeing Reed and Perry with like burners like on the wire right now uh, <laughs> and, <laughs> and money, a flip phone. <laughs> my my daughter actually does have a phone. She's had a phone. Um, I think we got her her first phone at 11 um, and she has had a smartphone. Uh, her initial phone definitely had limitations. It was a smartphone, but, you know, her mom put all of, you know, the, the, all the features. Um, she, I think she could only have what, like 20 people. And mm-hmm. she had to pick her friends. It was like, <laughs> so you got to have dad, you got to have mom, you got to have Nana, you got to have Poppy. You got to have Uncle Dre. You got to have, you know what I'm saying? So, man, we done ate it to you 20 already. <laughs> it's like, whoo! <laughs> we eating them up. We eating them up with the emergency contacts. But, uh, but I, you know, for us, Gabby, well, I don't know if you can see her paintings back here. So, these are her paintings. These last paintings are the byproduct of us taking her phone away from her. There you go. You know, so you you take the smartphone away, you disconnect them from the technology, and now her creative side comes back. Absolutely. So, so, and she she wants her phone back because she wants to communicate with her friends. Um, But other than that, you know, me and her mom are like, look, like she, her and her mom butt heads more about things that I don't experience simply because, um, and I've told, I told her mom, I was like, Hey, listen, your voice, your octave stay so high all the time that she thinks that that's your normal octave. I said, so if you're always fussing and you're always yelling, she doesn't know when you're really, really bad. You know, whereas me, I'll stay like, yeah. and it's like, when I get there, she knows I'm not playing. And then if I get any higher than that, you know, which is only been about five times when I got to bring out the belt, you know, eh, 
you know, which <laughs> I, you know, I, I don't want to, I don't want to go there, you know, so I can count on four fingers how many times I've had to, you know, do something like that. But, um, you know, this, the cell phone, the technology, I, all of us are pretty much in the, in the, like the same age group or very close. I'm thinking to myself, if we had Apple watches coming up as, uh, preteens and teens in school, I'd be using it just to cheat on the test. I'm like, huh. <laughs> I would be getting taken away all the time. I'd be in trouble. Correct. <laughs> all our answers were written in our palm. I wouldn't have survived college if we had social media and smartphones. Like, no. it, it, it would have been a wrap after the first year. My parents would have called me back. Recall. They'd have been like, you got to get out of these streets. Come all back. <laughs> Why are you at A&T? <laughs> Saw right. you on the book face and uh, the book face <laughs> wasn't good. Yeah, yeah, it wouldn't. Uh, no, none of us would be grad. I would not be a graduate of no. anything other than no. school up the street if no. we yeah. had Thanks. all these things when I was a kid. All right, now we all believe in the Second Amendment, and y'all are all gun owner- owners. And I'd be curious to know, uh, Mark. I'll start with you. Has your perspective on firearms changed since having daughters? No, absolutely not. I, I mean, I, I've always been a big believer in gun safety and just being smart about it. Um, I don't want to get into, you know, the, the debate on school shootings and, and, and gun regulation, which I'm very much in, fo- in favor of. Um, but in, around our house, um, they have I've, I've kind of kept them away from them. And plan to keep doing so until I feel that the maturity level is at such a point where I will then introduce properly, you know, introduce safely and properly. They they know that they're here because I have a range in the backyard. And, uh, Anthony knows about that. Um, they definitely they didn't know about it before. If the young one didn't know about it before, they learned about it last October. Um, yeah, thanks. <laughs> But yeah, no, I, my feelings, my feelings haven't changed a- any about the Second Amendment because of the girls. Um, so I'll leave it at that. I, I agree. I agree with you. Um, you know that the, the running joke, you know, better get your shotgun now, brother. I got something better than that. But uh, <laughs> but uh, we won't talk know. about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, listen. My my thing though, I I, I agree with Mark. Um, um, I definitely walk this line when it comes to gun gun ownership. You know, as far as rights are, because I truly believe those those rights are not really written around us. Um, at least us that are on on this on this video right now. Um, I've always I've always said that uh, you know you try to you try to uh, replicate what happened in California on a, on a larger scale, you'd start getting some serious gun reform. Um, you know, so with that, with that being said, um, I'm definitely a proponent of gun ownership, uh, responsible gun ownership. And, um, you know, there, there are some things that, you know, are, are very obvious, you know, with, with the majority of mass shootings, there's some commonalities there. Um, and I think that this nation just needs to address those things um, and, and face itself. And that's going to be a long time coming. So I'm not holding my breath on that one. 
But as far as having, but as far as having a daughter and guns, I hope to uh, help Mark with the right resources clear out a, a clean pathway to the gun range in 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 his woods. I love going out there, but I really we have to leave ourselves breadcrumbs trying to find our path to get to the gun range. It's like it's back here somewhere. Listen, we always find it. We I'm trying to make it. it to the right. I'm trying to make it to the Simmons gun range. I'm telling you, don't, don't go wandering in his backyard. Oh, I won't go by myself. Now. No, I <laughs> won't be going by myself. Do that. Don't be don't do that. <laughs> now, what about teaching the girls to use guns? Because, you know, I grew up in Texas. And so I probably, I'm trying to think when I first, like, had a BB gun. I mean, like, I feel like guns were kind of ever present. Yeah, that's um, what I was going with it. Yeah, as a child in Texas. And so... Um, I am not a good shot, but I grew up around guns and, and you know, ha- no basics about gun safety. Like one of my aunts always has a gun in her purse. Like, you know, it's we're, we're, we're we are true Texans uh, where I am from. Uh, but what about, you know, training the daughters to use the guns and 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 have self-defense on their own? Um, at what stage do you think you would introduce that? And, and how far do you think you would go with it? Well, I'll let Rick start. Yeah, I'll tell you. So your initial question as far as did it change your your mindset about them? Absolutely. It changed mine because the first thing I bought when I found out we were having a little girl was my Mossberg 12 gauge. So it it changed it for the better. (laughs) So that started me on my path to ownership. Uh, That said, um, I would probably look towards uh, training in the next few years or so. Once I feel like they're old enough and mature enough to understand what they have and to understand, you know, why it is to why it would be considered to use. And, you know, at this point, they're a little young, I think. But I do. I think within the next several years, um, once I feel they are uh, mature enough to understand and, and able to handle what uh, what I have, then I'll take them and go get get it, uh, get trained properly. <laughs> I, I agree yeah. with you, Rick. Um, I don't know if you all have seen the. At this point, I'm pretty sure that she's probably in her 20s or if if that probably 20. But if you look on YouTube, 13 year old uh, girl and then gun range or um, mm-hmm. you, you know, the girl I'm talking yes. about. Yes, yes, yes. So so she she's very proficient in her skills. Yes. And I, I'm, I'm talking about like go to war. Yeah. Like, yeah, go to war. And so with that being said, you know, at that level, it kind of goes back. It got it goes back to what Rick is saying. You know, if, if your kids grow up around those things, um, whether you're a mechanic around cars or, you know, a painter, whatever your proficiency is or the exposure is, your kids are probably going to slide into that at a much younger age than yeah what a normal person would be, mm-hmm. you know, or, or an outlier. Um, you know, so I was very surprised by that, but since I'm not a professional target shooter or anything like that, I'm going <laughs> to agree with Rick on this one. Um, when I feel like she is mature enough, I would love to bring her to Mark's house, maybe with a, with a professional, a trained, um, you know, we can learn something ourselves. You seen how we shot the last time we shot? <laughs> I, I did great. Uh, speak for yourself. I saw the picture, and I'm just gonna hold comment. 
Yeah, you saw the video. So, yeah, you see the videos. <laughs> I'll just quickly say that um, I absolutely am going to train them when they are ready, and I will know. You know your you know your own kids. You know when they're ready for certain things, and I know right now they're not ready. They're too no, they're they're not ready. Um, it, it is funny because of my other friends that have uh, that are gun owners and have kids, young kids. I see the difference. And some people think it's more of an age that they should start as opposed to a maturity thing. But it's also the activities. I have this one friend who's a hunter. He's an avid hunter. And he takes his five-year-old out with him on the hunt. So he's exposed very early on. And when you do that, you have to go through safety. You have to go through some measure of training. He's not picking up the rifle, but, you know, he's around it. And so he's going to learn at a much earlier age than my kids. I kind of keep it away from them. Well, I, I definitely keep it away from them um, just because I'm not ready to train them when I'm ready to introduce it to them. And I know that they're, they'll be able to understand and, and take to the training. Then that'll be the time. All right. So we only have a couple minutes left. So I want to have a lightning round to close this out about 30 seconds each. What are your hopes for the future? What are your goals for your daughters? And I'll start with Anthony 30 seconds. What are your goals? My goals and my hope is that uh, she becomes proficient in her finances, um, that I instill uh, pride, uh, confidence, and uh, give her the pathway to uh, success, whatever that means to her. All right, Rick? Uh, Very easy. I just want to, we want to just raise good people. That's the bottom line. We want them to just be good people, polite people, kind people, thoughtful people. Um, Whatever the world has for them, they will get. But we just want them to be good people. And finally, Mark. I want my girls to be well-adjusted. I want them to love themselves, love their Black culture, and contribute to society. Awesome. Well, thank you all. This is a great conversation. Um, I feel like I should just have y'all on all the time, although um, it's hard to talk to these people with only an hour. Um, You could find out what our normal conversations are like. This is a little taste of it. Uh, Thank you all for tuning in to Get In Common. If you ever miss an episode, you can catch the rebroadcast anywhere podcasts are played, including Spotify and Apple Podcasts and on the Voice America website and our YouTube channel. Please feel free to send me emails through the show page or to reach out on social media. I am at Carla C on all platforms. Thank you for listening. And thank you again to my guests. Thank you for tuning in to Getting Common with Professor Carlos Chapman. Please join us again next Wednesday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time and 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel for another thoughtful discussion.